the powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and here we are live Actually, I'm live in Washington, D.C., even though parts of D.C. are underwater with this flooding that we have had, which is unbelievable on the East Coast. But, you know, that's just how it goes. Ongoing weather changes across this country. But we have with us today a fabulous, wonderful guest. And actually, it's an honor for me to have him on the show today. John Lancaster is the executive director of Nickel. In addition, his background is unbelievable. He's an attorney. He's a national and international advocate for people with disabilities. When I met him, he was the chairman of the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities during the Clinton administration, reporting to Chairman Tony Quello. And most recently, before coming back here to the United States, he was vice president with the Vietnam Enterprise Group. He is a champion. He's a great civil rights leader. And may I also add, it is an honor for me to be able to say he's a friend of mine. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. And it's a privilege to be on your show. And uh, and I appreciate all the support that you've you've given me through the years, especially when I was with the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities. And it's it's great to talk to you again. Well, thank you. And also we have on the show with us today... Daniel Davis, who also works at Nickel, and he is the Director of Advocacy and Public Policy. And, Daniel, welcome to our show. Thank you. Well, I wanted to start, you know, John, it is wonderful to have you on the show again, and I just want to tell all of our listeners, you know, John truly is a champion, a real civil rights leader for Americans with disabilities, and as you can see from what I told you about his background, internationally for people with disabilities. And, and John is one of those great leaders where, you know, his voice needs to be heard. And for that reason, what we're going to try to do ongoing is have John or one of his stars from Nickel on this show on a regular basis because here we are, before you know it, it's going to be a presidential election. And we already have these elections coming up this November, but before you know it, it will once again be the presidential election and I maintain the people with disabilities need to be educated and need to know what's going on and, of course, need to register to vote. And so to make sure you're educated, I'm going to make sure we have someone from Nickel on this show ongoing so you know what the issues are and realize how important it is to speak up. John, uh, thank you for being with us again and being on the show again. But I wanted you first to just speak for a minute to our listeners in case they aren't familiar with Nickel about Nickel and the mission of Nickel and what you're trying to do. Yes, Joyce. Uh, Nickel, the National Council on Independent Living, is an association made up of centers for independent living and state independent living councils all across the country. Um, there are some 396 uh, federally funded centers for independent living um, they also get have many other sources of private funding that, that, that they raise on their own from the community. But they are authorized and created under Title VII of the Rehabilitation Act. 
um, as it was amended in 1978 and was kind of a creation of, of old heroes in our movement, Ed Roberts and, and uh, Judy Human and uh, other folks that uh, envisioned uh, the independent living movement and had already started it and got the federal government to chip in and start funding these centers. We're their association. We provide them with group insurance packages, training and technical assistance, tons of information, and we do an annual conference for them every year. But most importantly, we're their advocates here in Washington, D.C. We're carrying forward their issues uh, here before the Congress and the administration. And what are our issues? We're concerned about the independence of people with disabilities, of people with significant disabilities, being able to make their own choices, having control of their own lives, and not being stuck in a restrictive family environment, or worse yet, as so often happens in a nursing home or in our state institution. All of our centers are owned and operated by people with significant disabilities themselves, they serve people with all sorts of disabilities, whether it be a mental health, a psychiatric disability, a developmental disability, a sensory or a physical disability. We're cross-disability. All of our centers are doing peer support. They're providing information and referral on disability issues to the community. They're doing independent living skills training. And most importantly, they're doing advocacy at the local level both for the people that they're representing on an individual basis and what we call systems advocacy, helping to change the community so that it's inclusive of all people and enabling them to live productively in the community among their peers and their friends and their families. And that answers one of the questions that, we're, we're, that we had many of our listeners ask, and that is, John, at Nickel with the Boards. Is it true that at the majority of the living, independent living centers that there are people with disabilities running many of these organizations and or on the boards? Yes. To be a, a member of NICL and also to receive the federal financial um, insurance benefit, the, not the insurance, but the, the benefit they get from RSA, the grant, their boards have to be 51% or more people with disabilities, and their staffs, likewise, have to be dominated by people with disabilities. So absolutely, uh, people with disabilities control this. And in most SILs, it's virtually all people with disabilities on the board, and uh, the vast majority of the staff is people with significant disabilities. But it has to at least be 51% under law. And how, how do you join NICL? How do you become a member? Well, uh, we do have two other categories of membership, individual memberships, and we also have uh, what we call other organizational members of other organizations, whether it's a corporation or a nonprofit or a disability organization or a governmental entity that agrees with what we're about and wants to support us and be involved, they can also join. But our main membership are our, our SILs and uh, our Centers for Independent Living and our State Independent Living Centers. And if they want to join, it's real simple. You go to www.nickel.org, so www.ncil.org, and then follow the, you know, the links there, and it will take you to our membership section, and you can apply for membership right online. 
And when someone becomes a member, what would be some of the benefits to them? Well, uh, for an individual, if a listener out there wanted to join as an individual, I'd say they get some fairly significant benefits. Number one, they get a ton of really quality information on what's happening in Washington, D.C. on a policy level that directly affects them in their lives. Issues related to the ADA, issues related to Medicaid and Medicare, uh, health care services in general, issues related to housing, to transportation, to employment. Um, these are assistive technology. These are all issues uh, that we follow and follow closely. We work hard on transportation, so it's, it's a whole variety of issues that we're involved in to build an inclusive society in this country, an accessible society, and one in which all people get to participate politically, economically, and socially. Well, and I can't stress how important that is because this is how you know what's going on. I mean, that this is how, as a person with a disability, you need this information. You need to know what's going on. So if anyone, any of you listening to the show today are not a member, I would really encourage you to be a member. And once again, John, where do they go? Uh, they go to www.ncil.org. Okay, and we'll talk about that again later. But here's a really hot issue I wanted to talk about, John, and that is Medicaid. And also, Daniel, any uh, comments you want to make, we, we would be happy to hear them. I know that uh, Dr. McClellan spoke at the Nickel Conference um, to talk about Medicaid, and my question is what is the current status for Americans with disabilities in reference to Medicaid and I wondered if you could talk, or Daniel could, about the positive and negative aspects of the Deficit Reduction Act. Yes, I think we can both address that, um, Joyce, and, uh, and I'm going to let Daniel do uh, some of the more technical stuff because he's far more expert than this uh, than I am. But the, generally the situation in Medicaid um, around the country is not good, Joyce. Um, we have... A uh, huge number of states out there that are spending well over 50% of their long-term care Medicaid dollars for people with significant disabilities on the institutional setting, nursing homes and state institutions. Some of these facilities are nothing less than a prison. They are terrible institutions, and people just don't have choice. They don't have opportunity. They don't have a life. And there are only four states in the union that spend more than half of their long-term care Medicaid dollars on the community-based services and supports for people with significant disabilities. And those happen to be uh, the states in New Mexico, uh, Oregon, Alaska, and Idaho in that in that order. And interestingly enough, while they have Medicaid pressures and funding concerns like every state in the country does, those are among the four that have the least of those issues and are, have their Medicaid programs more in order than almost any of the other states. It is far cheaper to do long-term care and support services in the community than it is in the institution. But the state of Medicaid nationwide is generally so biased towards the institutional setting that it's disgusting, shameful, and indeed, I think, immoral in this country. 
Now, Dr. McClellan, to his credit, and some of the good work that this administration and CMS has done, is trying to shift that. But now the attack has to happen on a state-by-state basis. And there were some significant changes that were made uh, through the recent Deficit Reduction Act that help us get to where we want to get. One of those is something that we've been advocating for for a long time called Money Follows the Person, in which the Medicaid dollars, instead of following the service provider or the facility, instead come down to the individual who then will have choice and control of spending that, obviously within certain parameters, but spending that money on things that she, he or she needs uh, to live their, way, their life the way they want to live. And then there's an option that's been built in for the states that if they just want to choose to go that route, they don't have to do it anymore through a complicated waiver provision or, or other aspects. And, and Daniel, if, if you could chime in here and, and, and fill in Joyce and the listeners a little bit more on some of the particulars, but it was kind of a mixed blessing in the Deficit Reduction Act. There's a good and a bad. Hold on there, Daniel. We're going to break for one minute, and as soon as we come back, we're going to talk to Daniel and John about this situation with Medicaid right now in the United States. Don't go away. We'll be right back with John Lancaster, Executive Director of Nickel, and Daniel Davis, Director of Advocacy and Public Policy. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. The authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. 
This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, our guest is Jamie Bamber. You'll know him from Battlestar Galactica. He plays Leah Dama. We talk about Battlestar Galactica and get a look inside of Jamie's life. Of course, we'll cover all the sci-fi news for the week as usual. That's Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, and if you just joined us, we have a great show today because we're talking to John Lancaster, Executive Director of the National Council on Independent Living, and we have Daniel Davis, the Director of Advocacy and Public Policy. And before we went to break, what we were talking about is the status in the United States today of Medicaid and also the positive and negative aspects of the Deficit Reduction Act. And I think you were going to make a comment about this, Daniel. Yes, I was. Um, thanks, Joyce. Um, on the positive side, um, I think money follows the person is something that was almost univer- universally held in the disability community. Um, and the way it is going to work is that there will be an enhanced federal match of um, state dollars for the first year in which an individual with disability is transitioning from an institutional setting into the community. They, there will be anywhere um, from, I believe it's a 15 to a 25% increase in the federal matching assistance percentage that states receive. So there is actually an incentive now for states that apply for Money Follows the Person to help people with disabilities. And Money move. Follows the Person is right. is part of what? What is that part of? Well, Money Follows the Person in this form is part of the Deficit Reduction Act that did pass um, early in the year. Yes. Yeah, so if you're listening and you weren't familiar with that and you said, gee, I haven't heard of that before, this is fairly new, correct, Daniel? Uh, this, uh, yes. This, this came about in, Feb- in February. Um, and but it will apply to every state. But it, well, this will essentially every state has an opportunity to apply okay. for this. They actually states do. There is going to be um, a uh, request for proposals that will go that will go out from the centers for uh, Medicaid and Medicare services later this year. And at that point, states advocates need to be calling on their states to participate in. The money follows the person program to apply for that grant. That's and, and, and will we be? Will Nickel be contacting all the, uh, you know, sending something out that people know that they need to advocate for this? Uh, we we already have been, and we will continue to be keeping our um, members advised of this opportunity when the request for proposals comes out from CMS. We intend to circulate it to our full membership. Okay. All right. So this part sounds really good. Right. He follows the person. Right. Now, the um, now in some other areas, we have some greater concerns. Uh, and one of the things that John mentioned, the state plan 
option. Um, while on first blush it does sound very, very good, we do we do have some concerns about the way that this provision was set up because it actually um, gives the states, uh, we feel in some cases, too much discretion. It actually allows states to um, to uh, formally establish waiting lists and um, and to um, limit enrollment in um, the state plan option. It also it also basically um, gives the states discretion to um, not deliver the program to a whole state. And the reason we're concerned about this is because um, there really is no reason that states should not be participating in home and community-based services programs on a statewide basis. Uh, this is a more cost-effective way of delivering services. And so we, we do have some significant concerns about the implementation of the state plan option um, as it was included in the Deficit Reduction Act. The well, one other, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that the thing that is frightening about that is if there are states that say they don't have money or that they're almost bankrupt, and if they have the discretion to do what they want, what's going to happen then? Right. That's 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 precisely our concern. There is a grandfathering clause um, that um, that does. Um, require that once people are um, allowed into the program that they get a year of services. However, uh, we do feel that that safeguard is um, is inadequate. Um, and one other uh, thing to uh, bring up in terms of the uh, Deficit Reduction Act is that there, the states get increased discretion to impose cost-sharing on uh, people with disabilities for the medical services that they receive and, in fact, to enforce um, the uh, re requirements of copayments by uh, refusing service if people are not able to pay their bills. And we're concerned that this may have the unintended consequence of actually um, aggravating the institutional bias in some ways, in addition to being something that uh, many people with disabilities on, who already can't afford um, their housing and transportation and other needs, um, that this may really be something that they can't afford. Well, Daniel and John, I'm going to tell you right now, this makes me nervous. Well, it, it should make all your listeners nervous, too, Joyce, especially those that might be eligible for Medicaid or are looking at having to go on Medicaid, because uh, this, uh, this is not good. Yeah, I, this, is not, this is not good is right, because if they have that discretion, you know, and again, knowing the situation of, you know, the monies in the states and what they have available and, you know, what people can do if they want to do that is just, that this is why the voice of people with disabilities needs to be heard, or I'm telling you, this is going to be a disaster. It, it has that potential. I think that the challenge is upon is now 
goes to advocates in the states to make absolutely certain that they hold their state legislators and their governors and their state Medicaid directors accountable uh, for delivering the kind of services that are consistent with the Olmstead decision and with the best interests of uh, the health and welfare of people with disabilities. Well, when we advertised through our press release that we were going to have John on the show, and when we talked to a lot of people in the disability community and received a lot of email, one question that keeps coming up is about attendant care. Uh, Daniel, how is that reimbursed, attendant care? Well, attendant care, um, quite often right now, attendant care is reimbursed uh, through uh, Medicaid for people who are able to qualify for Medicaid. Um, it actually, there is not a long-term care benefit under the um, under the Medicaid um, home community-based uh, care benefit under the Medicare program. So it's so that's really not much of an option. And otherwise, um, it would tend to be uh, financed uh, either um, out of pocket or through um, various long-term long-term um, insurance plans. Mm-hmm. Well, either one of you may answer this uh, question that I will read to you, uh, but here it is. It is from Pennsylvania. The question is from Pennsylvania. And the question is, Mr. Lancaster, it is always wonderful to know you're going to be out there fighting for us. My question is, there is great concern with many of my friends across the country that there will be cuts in Medicaid to provide attending care services. Is this true? Well, I think there's uh, no doubt that there's not going to be significant money out there um, to support um, the Medicaid uh, program, given the way things are going. I think it's it's a, a very scary uh, day these days. You've already seen those sorts of cuts happening in states like Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, Missouri's even... Um, planning to wipe out their entire Medicaid program. So there's there's one state right there that if they uh, do what they say they're going to do, then nobody's going to be getting Medicaid. So there's, um, there's some real serious concerns out there. And then given some of the things that are happening in the United States Senate right now in terms of overall budget authority and budget cuts, uh, Lord knows where they could go. There is actually budget process. This is Daniel. There's actually budget process legislation, which has been introduced by uh, Senate Budget Committee Chairman Judd Gregg. That actually is of grave concern to us because it it actually would propose automatic cuts in entitlement spending if certain um, if certain triggering events happen, and it also would form a uh, commission that would um, drastically reassess. Um, our commitment not only to Medicaid but also to Medicare and Social Security. And so we have very serious concerns when we start hearing um, about this, these safety net programs all basically coming under uh, the microscope in the, a budget-cutting environment. Well, it's funny you would mention Missouri because we have a question from Jamie who is originally from Missouri, stating, uh, Mr. Lancaster, um, I do have a question for you. With the impending cuts to Medicaid in Missouri, what would happen to people with disabilities 
when they went in for needed care? I can't. I've got to tell Jamie that I cannot answer that, and I would love to see her asking that same question of the state health officials and the governor and the legislature in the state of Missouri. And I can actually speak to that a little bit more. Um, one, posi- one positive thing that did just recently happen is that the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ruled in a case called Langford that um, that durable medical equi- that people with disabilities have uh, certain rights to durable medical equipment. Well, you know what? I hope you're listening to this show. I hope you're paying attention, and I hope you're realizing when you hear that scary thing we, we just told you, why you need to be educated, you need to speak up, and you need to be an advocate and be involved with Nickel. We're talking to John Lancaster, my friend, your friend, and a champion for all people with disabilities, and Daniel Davis, the Director of Advocacy and Public Policy at Nickel. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 
472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. We're talking to John Lancaster, the Executive Director of NICL, the National Council on Independent Living, and to Daniel Davis, the Director of Advocacy and Public Policy. And before we went to break, um, we had a question. And by the way, we have many questions from many of our listeners for John, and that's why we'll have John and or someone from NICL back on again because it's exciting to me to hear from you, and I want to thank all of the listeners. We have a huge listening audience, and I appreciate so much how loyal you are. But um, it's so important because we've got to spread the news and speak up. What we were talking about was the Medicaid situation in Missouri, where Medicaid, where they're proposing that it will be cut. Is that correct, Daniel? Uh, there actually. There actually is legislation that would actually, in fact, phase out Medicaid entirely in 2008, but there already have been dramatic uh, dramatic cuts eliminating the Medicaid buy-in program and trying to um, restrict uh, certain categories of people with disabilities from getting the durable medical equipment they need. You know, are you listening to this? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I never thought I'd be hearing this. Think about that. Would you? Can you imagine that? See, this is why when you are a person with a disability, doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. What matters is that you're registered to vote and that you're educated because until we have a voice, we won't see change. I cannot envision this, and here it is happening. Daniel, did you have any other comments you wanted to make about that? Well, I just wanted to say that the good news in the Langford case was that the Eighth Circuit has basically um, sent that back down to the district court and basically said that Missouri cannot, um, cannot when it comes to uh, mandatory populations, uh, discriminate between s- certain groups to basically say that some can have access to durable medical equipment while others can't. Unbelievable. Again, folks, this is why you've got to speak up and know what's going on because it will come back to hit you personally and your family. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask both of you about, with the current budget, there have been tremendous uh, cuts to this budget, and, and I'm wondering what impact is that going to have on Americans with disabilities? Well, Joyce, I just want to uh, jump right in and, and talk about one huge impact that we're seeing right now in our, among our members of the Centers for Independent Living and the State Independent Living Councils. Uh, last year, as you know, they did right at the end there that uh, across-the-board 1% cut on domestic programs, and uh, and our um, our centers are really, really feeling that. I was just talking to one center director uh, today from the uh, San Fernando Valley in California, and uh, he was telling me that, you know, at the same time, my budget gets whacked, and overall 1%, one of the larger items in my budget, um, that of rent for the uh, SIL staff and for the uh, facilities where they do uh, peer counseling with people and do their independent living skills trainings and stuff like that, and, you know, a place where you have your offices and keep your records and all of that, while at the same time they're experiencing a 3 or 4% uh, rent increase 
at the same time that one of their biggest sources of funding um, is not only been level funded for the last three years, but also is being whacked another 1%. And that severely impacts the ability of these centers to deliver essential, important services to people with significant disabilities to help them uh, stay out of nursing homes or state institutions. And we know what's worse is if they get in there, it ultimately is going to cost their state and our federal government more money. So there isn't even logic in the approach that's so often being taken. Yeah. That, that is, that, you know, and, and when you think about how disasters can happen in this country, such as Katrina, and then what happens when you're not able to help those people, you know, that need help most? That That's really terrible. So, so what are these groups doing? Are they trying to get funding through corporations and foundations, or what are they doing, John? Yes, all of our centers uh, do that. Um, uh, the federal money that our members get, uh, through their grant uh, when they qualify as a, a Center for Independent Living. Um, some of the centers, uh, it makes up a, uh, a very large portion of their budget, maybe 80 to 90% of their overall operating budget, and then from community sources and corporations and foundations and individuals, they, uh, they basically hustle the, uh, hustle the rest of the money. Those tend to be small centers in rural areas or centers that are brand new and just starting up. Uh, some of our older centers that have been around for 25 years, 20 years, that sort of thing, that are in larger metropolitan areas, they have huge budgets and are providing tremendous services to their community, keeping literally thousands and thousands of people out of nursing homes and state institutions and supporting them and living productively in the community. And the the, the federal money they'll get for their budget is, uh, you know, much, much less, maybe a quarter or sometimes even less of their overall um, operating budget. And they're doing a variety of things, everything from fee-for-service to uh, corporations that support them, the membership programs, the gala fundraisers, to you know, foundation grants, uh, just a whole variety of, of mixing and matching. So, our membership is is very diverse in that regard. Some are uh, very very dependent on um, federal support to do the work that they do, while as others are, uh, um, uh, you know, not nearly so dependent. But still, when you get um, across the board cut of uh, 1%, even in only a quarter of your budget, um, it has an impact in terms of your ability to deliver services. All their other costs are not going down. The cost of gasoline, the cost of heating fuel, the rents, the, uh, the payroll taxes, all the rest of it, none of that's going down. <laughs> that's for sure. And if you're a business listening to the show today, as John mentioned earlier, you too can make a donation to Nickel um, and, and be an organization or corporation that has contributed to them. And would they go to the uh, website, John, to the www.nickel.org? How would they do that? Um, they 
to make a contribution, it would be better if they actually called our office and uh, asked for me, uh, John Lancaster, and uh, it would be uh, 202-207-0334. 202-207-0334. Because, you know, we're going to all have to work together to keep this moving forward because I, I just don't see where else we would be able to get a lot of this funding. So we're going to all have to work together about this. And I wanted to tell both of you another thing that I've been very concerned about that I know Nichols involved with is housing issues. I, I myself, because as everyone knows, I employ people with disabilities and we're in 15 states in the United States, and frequently, when we employ people, I'm going to tell you, uh, home ownership or rentals available for Americans with disabilities is not as it should be. And I wanted to know what your opinion is on this and what Nickel is doing about this. Well, you're, you've hit in this show, Joyce, on our two biggest issues, housing and uh, uh, the whole issue of uh, of law, home and uh, home and community-based services, long-term home and community-based services through Medicaid and other sources are, those are our two biggest issues. And we are extremely concerned about housing. There simply is insufficient amount of accessible, affordable housing in this mm-hmm. country, both in terms of rental uh, units and in terms of uh, home ownership. Uh, we've been working hard for um, increases in the uh, Section 8 housing and uh, housing vouchers, and, and with such, some success, I might add, and Daniel will talk to this in a second. And we've also been wor- working very hard on the issue of visit- visitability. Uh, that is to make sure that apartment buildings and condominium complexes and even individual uh, tracks of homes are, are being built in a way um, so that uh, we're, they're visitable by an individual with a disability and that there's a way to at least get in the building, to use the restroom, to be with people that are there, and that there's some a level of adaptability so that if the uh, individual with a disability ultimately was choosing to buy or rent such a place, that they then would be able to adapt it easily uh, to their needs. So these are issues that we're working on with HUD. Uh, we have another huge, huge crisis going on still in terms of housing related to the uh, Katrina disaster, the hurricane down there in New Orleans that you mentioned just a little bit earlier, and that still is a huge unresolved issue for many people with disabilities. Daniel, do you want to uh, jump in and tell about some of the minor successes we've had in uh, housing uh, lately? Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest successes actually was uh, Michigan actually just recently became the first state to uh, pass um, visitability legislation. Uh, The state actually passed a requirement that 50% of all of all housing, uh, all family housing that is funded through, um, I believe, the state housing development authority must be um, must be compliant with Michigan's accessibility code, and I, th- I think that that's a great um, 
that's a great first step and a great example uh, to be setting. There is actually legislation that we are supporting at the federal level called the Inclusive Home Design Act, which is by Dan Schakowsky, which has bipartisan support. It's H.R. 1441. Well, you know, Thank goodness we have you out there working for us, but as you can see listening to the show, we have a long way to go, and we need to work together, and we need to be supportive of groups such as Nickel. We are talking to John Lancaster, the executive director, and to me a great civil rights leader for all people with disabilities, and to Daniel Davis, director of advocacy and public policy. We'll be right back to close the show. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop, voiceamerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And I'll tell you what a show. We've been talking to John Lancaster, the executive director of Nickel, and to Daniel Davis, the director of advocacy and public policy. And when we went to break here, we were talking about issues with housing, and then Daniel was telling us about some of the good things that have happened where Nickel has helped move things forward. Was there anything else you wanted to say there, Daniel? Oh, yes, Um uh, I was going to say that um, the Inclusive Home Design Act, we have uh, begun to pick up considerable uh, bipartisan support for that legislation. And then in terms of responding to issues around the disaster um, with the Gulf Coast hurricanes, we actually did get 
uh, report language um, asking both state um, housing housing um, housing authorities who are doing uh, consolidated plan development um, to consult with the disability community um, and and make sure that their needs are addressed in the course of their development and implementation of their disaster response plans, and also to urge HUD to um, be certain to let advocacy groups such as ours know about the eligible uses um, of CDBG money for dealing with disasters since there was $5.2 billion in uh, disaster money recently allocated under the CDBG program. We feel this is a major opportunity to get some resources into uh, restoring accessible, affordable housing for people with disabilities. And, and that is so important. And that is absolutely so important. And, and I see it all the time. So I, I know that this is uh, a major issue. And, John, I want to just mention that one of my concerns is that the di people in the disability community, that we need to unite more, speak up more, get involved more so that we have a voice in the upcoming presidential election because, as you well know, we really weren't mentioned uh, by either party in the last election as, you know, a main constituency or, or group to talk about. And I'm wondering, with Nickel, are you also working on the trying to encourage people to get registered to vote? Absolutely, Joyce. Uh, we have uh, joined the effort that's being so ably led by uh, the American Association of People with Disabilities, Andy Imperato and Jim Dixon over there at the uh, AAPD and their, and their effort to uh, um, get states and local authorities to comply with HAVA, and uh, we are 100% behind that effort, and many of our centers are very actively engaged in uh, implementing issues uh, uh, related to access to the polling places and the whole electoral process in their, in their states and their communities, and it is a uh, major focus and a major initiative that uh, uh, our members are absolutely engaged in. Because I... Too, I'm working with them, and as I've all at AAPD, and as I've always said, if you could get, you know, just 10 million, 5 million, whatever it be, people registered to vote, and you went to one of the presidential candidates with all these votes, imagine how everything would change as far as how we would be talked about. Absolutely. Our issues would suddenly be the issues. Right. But see, what, what people have got to get over, it's not an issue of being Republican or Democrat. It's an issue of just registering to vote. So important that is. And, you know, one, one concern I have is that, uh, John, sometimes it seems like many people who have called in my show have told me that, you know, it doesn't seem as if they're hearing the voice of people with disabilities as they did in the past. What, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think there's some truth in that, um, Joyce. I think right now uh, we need to look internally and see how we uh, how we rally the troops. Uh, during the um, 80s and uh, the early 90s, we had um, all the buildup and the work to pass the ADA, and then its early implementation in the community uh, really came together. 
to do that. And uh, we have not quite yet galvanized around an issue or a set of issues like that right now. And, and I frankly think uh, that Nickel has uh, the issues, and uh, we, uh, Nickel, needs to step a little bit more into the leadership role and try to get uh, support for the things that we have been talking about here on the show uh, today. It is just a crime and indeed a shame and a sin in this country that there are so many people with significant disabilities that are still institutionalized in a nursing home, in a state institution, in an ICFMR facility, and that are simply not getting an opportunity to participate. And when I think people understand that and put aside, many people with disabilities in this country have made good progress and now are integrated and are now fully participating when they understand how many of their colleagues have been left behind, I think that they'll start coming together. And we aren't getting a good enough message in getting um, or doing a good enough job in getting our message out to our own uh, our own people, to the um, people with disabilities around this country. And that's why I think uh, shows like this are so very, very important. And that's why, John, I am so excited to have you as the leader, because with you I know those things will happen. And one point I want to make is that when you talk about those people in nursing homes and people being institutionalized, these are people of all ages. That's correct. We are not just talking about uh, um, people um, who are in their 80s or 90s here, although we are talking about them too. We're not just talking about uh, young children with real significant disabilities that are, you know, in some hospital. We're talking about 20- and 30-year-old quadriplegics who, but for a personal care attendant, could be out in their community participating and working. You know, we're talking about people um, with developmental disabilities, with given the support systems and what we know these days could be productively employed and enjoying a good life and spending money doing the sorts of things that, that, that we all enjoy. We're talking about people with severe epilepsy that are being, because they have seizures now and then, are being forced into, into state institutions or because they've been misdiagnosed. It's, it's a travesty what's going on, Joyce, and I don't know what it takes. Maybe it takes it happening to your family or to yourself before you get incensed enough uh, to want to start doing something about it. Well, you know what? That is like being in, in, you're right, that is like being in prison, and that is so terrible. And, you know, that is why when you're listening to the show, remember, this could be you, this could be one of your family members, this could be anyone after they have, for example, a catastrophic accident or, or something else happens. And you know what the problem is? The problem is money and greed. This is the problem. And, you know, we've got to speak up and help our brothers and sisters and not be sitting back while something like that is happening. So I'm really glad, John, that you are speaking about this so much at Nickel because I think that is absolutely so important. And you have already accomplished so much at Nickel, but I have to still ask you, as I ask all of our listeners, 
What are you the proudest of so far with what's happened at Nickel? Um, I uh, internally, I think I'm uh, um, proudest of two things. Number one, that we're uh, uh, turning things around financially, and we're starting to get some momentum and capability to work on the issues that uh, <clears throat> that we're all concerned about that we've been talking about today. The other thing that I think I'm really uh, proud of is that we've increased the focus in 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 nickel on um, younger folks, building our leadership for tomorrow tomorrow within the disability community, getting some good, hardworking, uh, intelligent young young people on our staff like Daniel, who's on the call with us today, and uh, building the whole emphasis on uh, building leadership uh, for the future because. Uh, I unfortunately don't think these issues are going to go away in the next year or two. And we need to keep this movement going, and we need to grow it. And to do that, we need the participation of young people with lots of energy, lots of education, lots of enthusiasm. Well, I agree. And, John, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? Get involved with Nickel. Join. Become a member. Send us your $35 and... uh, and join us in, uh, in solving these issues related to Medicaid and housing and employment, transportation, assistive technology. Help us out. Get involved. Get involved. That is so, so important. And also, Daniel, I want to thank you for being on the show with us today. Thank you. John, it is always my pleasure to have you, and we will look forward to having a guest in about a month and a half from Nickel on again. Great, Joyce. Really looking forward to it. Thank you so much again, and keep up the good work. All right. Well, we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or someone that has impacted the lives of people with disabilities. And today, especially since John on, it has to be from Tony Quello, who says, Give me, give us the right to be fired. And with that, give us the right to be fired. You know what that means? Employ people with disabilities. With that, John and Daniel, I wish you the best. Keep leading on. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.